what we've deemed to be normal today, when we go to an airport or when you go out walking and you see excessively overweight and obese people and all of the the chronic health conditions we see today, just because it seems normal, it is not normal. It is not normal, but by and large, we have lost our reference point. We have lost a baseline of what is actually a standard of health. Now, so many people are sick in the world that we've attributed the norms to what we see on TV or what we see when we go to uh, grab some food out there, we go to a movie. Let me tell you, that's not how things should be. That is not how the human body and human system is designed to function. Thinking about what movement represents to me, it's quite simple. Movement is life. I mean, think about this. What happens when your heart stops moving? When it stops beating? At least in this three-dimensional plane, the show is over. Your body's done. Now your spirit, your consciousness, that may continue on, but your body's done. And so when we think about movement, it is our God-given right to move, which is so... Movement's been the window open for at least me personally into everything we discuss on this show, from business to spirituality to emotional health and well-being to men's development. And so that's a key reason why the way that I start all of the Men of Movement retreats, in fact, why I called it Men of Movement in the first place, is for that very reason. And we begin with movement. We breathe together. We move together. We sweat together. And in that space, there's an energetic bond that is formed that continues through different layers throughout the weekend. And on November 10th through the 12th is the next opportunity for men to come together and join us out in Mount Shasta, California. If you're interested in this event, we've only got three spots left. So go ahead and click the link in the show notes. And I look forward to hopping on a call with you soon. Welcome to the Path Podcast. I'm Mike Salemi. I believe that uncharted trails make the best life stories. So take a deep breath, put one foot in front of the other, and trust the ground under your feet. Join me in discussions on health, performance, business, leadership, and spiritual self-mastery because these topics are windows into how well each of us have learned to trust our own path. Let's go. Today's Thursday episode, we are doing something different. Normally, these shows include a guest interview, but today I feel so inspired, so fired up to share with you something that I feel has the potential to change the state of health, of mental illness, of emotional challenges in the United States and even worldwide. And it has to do with a documentary that I just rewatched the other day called The Motivation Factor. And so we're going to dive into this documentary. It's meant to be in part a review, but also share my perspective on it. So I cannot wait to get into this show and highlight what this documentary brings out in me. And I hope in some way inspires you to at least check it out so that we can have a dialogue about this in the home, our families, and our communities. Let's get into the show. The Motivation Factor. Jeez, I love that name. This is one of the most important documentaries of our time. It came out in 2017. And when I came first across it in 2020 via a client suggesting it to me, It's been one of the most recommended documentaries that I give to all people, especially parents. And in this documentary, the way that it starts is very powerful. And I'll do my best. I'm going to see if I can play a recording of the beginning of the documentary here. And it's a portion of John F. Kennedy's speech. And so here it is. I welcome this opportunity 
to speak to the people of America about a subject which I believe to be most important, and that is the subject of physical fitness. And I speak not only as President of the United States, but also as a parent of two children, who I hope will, will grow up with those qualities of vigor and energy, which uh, we identify with the best of America. This should be a matter of concern to us all. A country uh, is as strong, really, as its citizens. And I think that mental and physical health, mental and physical vigor, go hand in hand. Now, if we're to really reflect on Kennedy's words, to me, they speak magnitudes. If we want to have a stronger, healthier nation, we have to have a solid physical education routine, a daily routine that we engage with. And I've thought, you know, especially as a new father, there's so many things that are now in my awareness that matter to me now multiple times over that were still important to me in the past, but now they have a whole new sense because I'm recognizing that my son, the generations after me, they're going to create the future. I can do my best right now with podcasts like this. However, it's really the next generation that I am here to shape and support. And when I look at the status of health in young children, it almost brings me to tears. I mean, you know, this podcast is equally going to be a review of this documentary, but also sharing some personal stories and personal insights and my perspective on it. And that documentary brought me to tears a few times. And on the flip side, it also inspired the hell out of me. And I think I've seen it probably since 2020, like six or seven times. And when I think about, man, how did we get here? How have we gotten so far away from even having a base, base level of health, of fitness, of mental and emotional stability, of communication? I mean, when I grew up, Shoot, I went to a public school. I went to a public elementary school in San Mateo, California. Private schools later in life, but in elementary school, I still remember the name of my PE teacher, Mrs. Martinelli. <laughs> Man, it's been a while. It's been like 30 years since then. But I remember absolutely loving PE. She showed up every single day with enthusiasm and joy and excitement and the games that we played and the tests that she put us through. I mean, I feel so blessed that she came into my life at that time. And at the time, I just really remember it being you know, one of the fun, the, not one of the fun, it's the funnest part of my day. So much, in fact, that when the recess bell rang or when the PE bell rang, I would literally jet out of the, the classroom doors, run around the corner of the building, past the water fountains, get my butt to that turf on my number. And I would stand there and wait for instructions because it was so much fun. We engaged in team activities. We played games, we sweat. And then I'll never forget when I went back to the classroom, I was so much calmer, so much more present. And young kids have a ton of energy. I'm looking at Luca and the dude's like, he's nine months old and the guy can already run circles around me. We're up at 2, 3 a.m. He's all giggling, happy, crawling all over my neck. I'm like, where does the energy come from? The amount of yang energy in young children. 
is off the charts and it should be, which is why children especially need spaces where they can off gas, where they can release this stuff. And in some of today's podcasts, I'm going to share some of the statistics that are brought up in the episode or in the documentary. And one of which, if I can find it here, it is there was an 83% drop in discipline-related issues after incorporating exercise in the morning. And teachers were finding that children don't need to act out nearly as much when they get it out of their system. But by and large today, the way the school system is structured by having kids sit down and in these environments that are really not natural or conducive to learning the position of the desks and just simply keeping kids in it. I can't even sit for 45 minutes straight. I need to get up. I need to move. And so much of us can benefit from a lot of the wisdom and what this documentary brings to light, which is exactly what we're going to do right now. And the main premise of the documentary is definitely what I shared about what John F. Kennedy brings up, but it's really the importance of physical physical education and its impact in various aspects of life. And the documentary is all centered around primarily this one school and then the cascade of uh, impact and effects it's had, not only in California where the school is, I'm going to share in a moment, but also nationwide and even worldwide. And it's La Sierra High School, which is in California. And this specific program that was created in 1957 that was inspired by a gym coach named Stan Laprati completely will blow your mind. Completely. If you get this documentary, which please, please, please do yourself a favor. Just it's a few bucks on Amazon. I would highly recommend buying it. And when you see the video images of these kids during that time period going through this program, it will shock you. Absolutely shock you. Because what we've deemed to be normal today, when we go to an airport or when you go out walking and you see excessively overweight and obese people and all of the the chronic health conditions we see today, just because it seems normal it is not normal. It is not normal, but by and large, we have lost our reference point. We have lost a baseline of what is actually a standard of health. Now, so many people are sick in the world that we've attributed the norms to what we see on TV or what we see when we go to uh, grab some food out there, we go to a movie. Let me tell you, that's not how things should be. That is not how the human body and human system is designed to function. The human movement specifically, as human beings, movement is a birthright. Movement is a birthright. We are designed to move our body. That is how, especially even as infants, that's how we explore our environment. And not only that, that's also how we begin integrating the nervous system, the left and right side of the body. That's how we build our kinesthetic awareness with those things around us. That's how we experience the world. And so if you take that away from children, by and large, which so many schools are doing today, they're removing completely physical education. And then oftentimes when kids come home, they're unless they're in sports, they don't really have many extracurricular activities. And so they're doing homework or they're playing video games or they're watching TV and they're eating crap food. It's no surprise we are in the state that we're in. And when you look at this documentary, what you will see will absolutely astound you. It astounded me. And they show what looks like 
I don't know, a hundred kids, something like that, all moving in orderly fashion in these very structured lines and the programs they are doing are all primarily calisthenics, all primarily body weight stuff. They're rope climbs, they're dips, they're pull-ups, they're runs, they're having another schoolmate on your shoulder and going, you know, for a walk for a half mile. Jesus, right? They're uh they're doing egg beater in the pool and they have to stay afloat for a certain amount of time. And when you see the bodies of these kids, every single one of them is jacked. Every single one of them has a low body fat percentage, has six pack abs, have muscles that are very defined. And you can just see the level of health exuding from these kids. And these are high school kids. And what's so wild is what Stan Leprati did, which uh, is just blows my mind. He so he designed a few things, but one of which is he designed this warm up program that, if I recall correctly, is like a twelve ish minute program, all body weight stuff. And these kids would do this every single day, every single day they would do it. That was just their normal thing. And then they would do other, whether I don't know if it was games or other uh, activities or other conditioning stuff. But this is what they would do every day. And years later, they tried to put NFL players through this, and they could barely do it. NFL players. That's how far we've gotten. And these kids that were in high school were able to do this day in and day out. And what's also fascinating is the way that they structured the training. Now, when you're dealing with that many kids, especially as a strength and conditioning coach who's worked with teams for much of my life, when you've got a lot of kids or you've got a lot of people in general, you got to bring in some order. You got to bring in some structure and you got to bring in some discipline. Otherwise, it's a shit show and it's super disorganized. And so the way that they organized this stuff was because when you're dealing with that many kids and trying to run a program, you have to do it like that. And I think if we were to extract one of the lessons from that, you know, I think parents today by and large, not everybody by any means, have a resistance, a hesitancy, or a belief that if they discipline their child or if they add too much structure, they're being mean to their children. Well, what you have to understand is young kids need structure. They need boundaries. They need limitations. And that's why they test so much. They test because they're trying to figure out what they can get away with. They're trying to test so much because they're trying to see they need to have some orientation. They don't have the cognitive ability. They don't have the life experience that someone who's older, more mature, who has life experience or responsibilities. That's why having parents or role models or protective figures is so absolutely critical. I mean, imagine a child doesn't know if this, a young child doesn't know if the stove is hot or cold. So he touches his hand on the stove, he burns himself. Well, that's also maybe part of what he's got to learn. But at the same time, that's the role of the parents. We have to uh, teach them how the world works. And in fact, especially with the role of the father, as I'm very present to, if the role of the mother symbolizes our relationship to ourself, and the role of the father, what the father at least represents is our relationship with the world. The father is the first thing that the child or the father figure comes into contact with that represents something other than itself, mom, and it represents the world. And so by and large, what I really feel my role as a father is to foster and guide and nurture Luca in a way that teaches him, that prepares him for the world while still teaching him to be himself, not anybody else, to be himself and also be prepared for the world. And for me, 
a level of discipline. I'm not saying, you know, of course, letting kids play is absolutely critical, but I'm saying as they develop, having discipline and order and structure is one of the most loving things that we can do as parents. And it creates a ritual, schedules, discipline, creates a sense of safety, a sense of groundedness, a sense of the child's always looking, by and large, all of us are too, but especially the child, he's looking for, he or she is looking for safety and he's looking to mom and dad dad to model that and to create that. And so what these kids are getting in high school and then the schools that modeled La Sierra years later, uh, they're getting structure at a young age, which is so important. They're getting exposure to themes like things like team-based activities and healthy competitiveness. And what you see, which is really interesting, the way that La Sierra created their program is they did it via like a color coding system. And so what they did is they grouped children and kids, high school kids, via uh, ability level and fitness level via the color of their shorts. And so white shorts was the lowest level, blue shorts was middle level. And then I think it was gold slash yellow shorts was the highest level. And so they didn't group people by age. And so you were competing and training and playing, doing all this stuff, doing your physical program alongside people that were at your same level. And that's so important because the effect that it had was one again you're training against people you're training alongside people with your same activity level but by and large the people in the white trunks they wanted to get to blue and the people in the blue trunks wanted to get to gold or yellow and so what it's already building is a structure of how to set goals that there is something to achieve there is something to to work for and if i work hard enough i can get there and if i learn to be supportive and allow myself to be supportive by my classmates we can all get there together and I'm going to paraphrase some of this in my recollection from the film, but there was also a question, I think it was later down the road in terms of, did that color coding system, there were studies done, did this color coding system have a detrimental effect psychologically or mental emotionally on these kids later down the road? And by and large, the answer was a resounding no. No, they didn't mind being white trunks, blue trunks, gold trunks. In fact, once again, the people with the white trunks wanted to achieve more. They wanted to get to that next level. I really believe the participation trophies and ribbons is a big mistake. Life doesn't work like that. And so part of the role of schools and parents is to create safe spaces for kids to test this stuff and to fail and to get back up and to learn that you're not going to win every single time. And that's why if when people get to the working world, they have to provide for themselves, for their families. If they've never learned these developmental lessons, they're going to have to learn it a much harder way. And they won't have those repetitions time and time again to build a more solid foundation, a more solid inner confidence or inner well or self-esteem that if I get knocked down, I've got the self-confidence and the, the wherewithal that I can get myself back up. I know I can. I know I can. That's why I love the movie, The Motivation Factor. And a big part of what they you know, discuss is, even if we look at this historically, and we look at cultures like ancient Greece, ancient Greece had a significant, significant portion of their days dedicated to physical training. I think it was something like plus or minus 50% of their day, more or less, was dedicated to physical activities. Now, yes, and part of that was to build better physical protectors, but a big part of that is they realized 
very ancient Greece, for heaven's sake, they realized there's a direct correlation between physical health and physical vitality and physical strength and fitness and then the mental and emotional correlations that come with it. That if we train our body physically, we give ourselves the capacity and the connections to actually be more engaged, to focus for longer, to recognize that it's not all about short-term gratification. We got to put some work in. We got to be a little bit gritty. And by and large, when we do so, we're going to think more clearly. We're going to be happier people. We're going to be better contributors to society. We're going to feel more like we belong. We're going to be prouder. We're going to be more comfortable in our own bodies. I mean, that's one of the things that makes me sad. It's like, I remember I was living in... Um, so I was living in Italy uh, in one year during college to study and then do some work over there. And we had traveled, I believe, earlier. And I remember like seeing people at the airport in Italy and I was like, wow, like everyone's pretty thin. I remember noticing that. And then when I went back, when I studied in college and then in trips after that, I remember looking at even the airport in Italy and I was like, wow, there are so many more overweight people. Still, by and large, they're thinner than my experience of Americans as a whole. But it was so, I had just seen what, what the state of the world had become. And I was like, wow, this is not what I remember. And, but this is not where we came from. Once again, that's not our birthright. We have a birthright to be healthy, to be vital, to be resilient human beings. And there is a direct correlation. I mean, if you think about it like this, especially in the United States, but worldwide, I mean, Specifically in the US, we spend more money than we ever have in history on medicine and just extending life and all of the things that, that relate to health. And yet, by and large, we have the sickest country we've ever been in. We also have the least productivity since the 1970s and some of the worst education rankings since the 1970s. Now, so, it just blows my mind. And when you think about the golden era, what was considered the golden era of physical education, that was actually between 1885 and 1920, as they share in the movie. And by and large, kids and people knew so much more about their body back then. I mean, now it's like, and again, there's always a time and a place for medical doctors. Absolutely. You got an emergency situation. Hell yeah, I'm going to the hospital. Like I need something significant done. I broke a bone. I'm going to the hospital. I'm going to the doc. But by and large, in my opinion, we've put way too much responsibility outside of ourselves. And we've forgotten that we, we are our own best doctor. We need to have the awareness, the capacity, the skill set to care for our own temple because no one's going to care for it as much as we do. And by and large, we are living the longest we've ever lived. However, when we talk about quality of life, that's a different story. And if you were to ask me, hey, Mike, if you were to choose, would you rather live to 70 years old and live a full, vibrant, happy life where you had uh, the freedom to drive a car and go for a walk with your great grandkids or your grandkids, would you choose that? Or would you choose to live to 100? And those last 30 years from 71 to 100, 
Those last 30 years are going to be a little bit of a struggle or a lot of a struggle, let's say. You're not going to be very free. You're going to be in a lot of pain. You're going to be on every single medication. You're going to have gut issues. I'm going to tell you 10 times out of 10, I'd rather live less years, but have them be full years. Have them be vital years. Have them be centered around the theme of longevity. And so much of that, so much of that begins early on. And again, you, you, you are in choice to at any point make positive changes and no time is too late. So know that, but you are always in choice. And especially as it relates to the next generation, we have, I believe as parents, as teachers, as models, um, we have a responsibility to our children and their children's children to set them up for as much success as possible. And a large part of that has to do with fostering healthy physical fitness and physical education and just knowledge of the body, basic knowledge, basic awareness of how to take care of ourselves. And there are so many benefits, so many benefits of physical health and physical education. I mean, uh, I mentioned earlier, discipline problems by and large go away. Children do better on tests. It promotes more of a sense of unity and community. Uh, there's more of uh, inner confidence and just moving with a greater sense of well-being, clearer heads, uh, resiliency to deal with challenges and struggles that come up in life. And one of the things that I found so fascinating about the documentary was this. What they did was is those kids who went to La Sierra High School they followed them years later. And so you'll see children in the movie getting after their physical fitness program. You'll see these just beautiful, healthy bodies. And then they followed years and, and they followed them. Again, this movie was produced or, or came out in 2017. But they followed these kids later, these adults now, and, and older, older gentlemen, older women. And they shared, were you able to keep this up? Or what impact did it have on you? What did it mean to you? All of those things, they bring that up later in life. And it is astounding what they say and the positive impact and how grateful they were and how it has served them later in life. And many of them still, whether it's that 12-ish minute routine that they did or some other version of getting up and just going for a run right when they wake up or going for a walk, the structure and the routines that were instilled at a young age, they are still maintaining. And one woman who, so the way it was structured was in the beginning of this program at La Sierra High School, what they did, it was mainly this physical education program that Stan Leprati brings out. It was for the boys. And however, the girls, if I recall correctly, focused on more things like dance and games. And so they had a different system. But then at one point, they integrated the, the girls into this program. And they interviewed this one lady who gets brought to tears because at one point, the ranking system that she was going for, she was trying to get... They had different color shorts for females, but they were try, she was trying to get to the highest level. And so she went for it like her freshman and sophomore year. I think there were 17 disciplines. She passed 14 of them. But then there was an announcement that the next year, her junior year, last year, high school was going to close. And so she only had one year to, to do this test and pass them all to get her shorts. And she tried so hard, so hard. And she failed and she tried again and her friends would come to her house and say, come on, let's go again. And then on the last day, the morning that the school closed, it was, I think the 
physical education teacher, one other teacher basically got her a message saying, hey, I'm going to run with you because it was the mile. She couldn't pass a, I think it was a six, six minute and 30 second mile. And he gave her his shoes and he paced her and she did it. I think she got 623. And it was so, it brought me to tears watching that and what it meant to her. And it was so cool to see even just later in life, how it served her and what that, that sense of healthy competitiveness and community and striving for something and having goals, what type of impact it can have on an individual physically, their self-esteem, their mental faculties. I mean, it just cannot be overstated enough. And so one of the question becomes, you know, so what's the solution? What can we do? Uh, well, first I'd say watch this documentary because it'll put so many things in perspective and they interview so many different uh, doctors and just really insightful people. And there's a bunch of statistics and powerful quotes in it. And even before I forget, in addition, you know, that what was going on in La Sierra, there were other schools that, that mimicked it and modeled as well. In fact, people from all over the world came to study their program and there's another school, a middle school called Prescott Middle School in California that they did a more dialed down version of this physical education program because it was pretty tough. Like actually online, I'll see if I can find it, but if not, it, I'm sure you can just search like maybe motivation factor, performance tests or performance guidelines, something like that. And what these kids to reach, for example, that gold short level, the boys, will blow you away. If I recall correctly, there was a ton of tests, but they had to like basically wade in water. So they had to do like egg beater, suspend yourself in water for like two minutes. They had to carry someone on their back within, I think, 10% of their body weight for like a half mile. They had to do an insane... In fact, the kids were doing so many push-ups that they could clear a hundred push-ups that they had to do a different version of escaping me what type of push-ups. Basically, your arms are extended and you do... It's a shorter range, but it's way, way more challenging. And they had to make the test even harder because the level of fitness was so high. But by and large today, the standards are so low because no one can pass anything. And so this thing is being modeled. And also one of the reasons why it stopped or went away, you know, especially, you know, of course, Kennedy got assassinated. But then in addition, from my understanding, the documentary, I think at the very end shares, a big reason was after the Vietnam War, when people got home, they were so well, one, distraught, but also anything that looked like it reminded of some type of military structure was just not not really seen favorably. And so when you have kids in these lines and in these orders and, and basically following everything to a T, it was just whether too painful or too reminiscent of, of what the Vietnam War represented to them. And so that's why it went away. And I think that was one of the biggest, if not the most biggest disservices we've done as a nation to our youth and to the next generations for all the reasons I've already described. But now bringing it back to with the current state, what can we do? What's the solution? Well, first and foremost, I shared, watch the documentary, share the documentary, have your own conclusions about it. Let's talk about it. I'm almost thinking one of these days I want to do like a, a showing of it and we can have a discussion afterwards. I think having these conversations that so many of us by and large intuitively know, we already get that exercise is absolutely critical. Like we get it. 
every single one of us will attest, if you go for a morning walk or a morning jog, you're going to feel better. You're going to feel more emotionally stable. You're going to have more capacity to deal with your day. You're going to have more energy. You're going to be just a happier human being if you move your body. That's how the system works. But we don't do it. However, one of the things that we need to do is I really believe, well, one, as a parent, it's so important to model this stuff because our children, and not just our children, but all children who anybody who observes us, especially young kids, they're learning from us every single moment of the day. So whether it's what we say, what we do, or how the child feels in our presence, that's how they learn. They learn by feeling, they learn by observing, and then they learn by what they hear. So sometimes you don't even need to say anything. But if you get up every day and you make your bed and you go for a walk, whether it's with your kid or without, or you have your daily routine to take care of yourself, you don't have to say anything, but model it and let them witness that. Let them witness that day in and day out that dad and mom is willing to do hard stuff, that dad and mom go out there and get after it. Wow. And they come back with a smile. And they come back being more available and heart-opened and stable and grounded to care for me. So I think one of the first and foremost things, and this puts a lot of responsibility on the parents I know, but that's part of what we signed up for, consciously or not. As parents, there is a responsibility to be a leader to our children. And a part of that is to do what it takes, no matter how unfair or how challenging, whatever. It is a call up to all of us, myself included myself included. And so our children are watching and so modeling it, doing the uncomfortable stuff and letting our kids see us, letting our kids see us struggle. Bring your kid in the gym with you. Let your kids see you. You know, uh, I know a lot of gyms, they have, whether it's daycare or what, or you can bring your kid to the gym, put him in the stroller if he's that young. I'm sure talk to the owner, tell him what you got going on. If I was a gym owner personally, I know everyone runs their ship differently. I would say, fuck yeah, I would celebrate that parent. If you're, if you're a parent, you got a young kid, bring your kid. We'll figure it out. And maybe that's a lot to bite off depending on the type of gym and the type of programming and their safety and that sort of stuff. But if you got a kid that's in a stroller, I'd love to see that kid in the gym. I'd love to see that kid in my gym if I had a gym these days. Uh, so model it. Model it. Have these conversations. Look at spaces or communities that supports bringing your kids along with you. I mean, one of the most enjoyable things, I mean, what do kids want? They want presence. They want presence. They want to do shit with you. So if you're uh, doing the laundry, have your kid do it with you. If you're going for a walk, bring your kid. And, you know, that's not always practical as much as possible. Invite them to be a part of the process and see you go through your own challenges. Now, again, this is just my experience. And so take it for what it's worth. But I really believe that's a huge, one of the most important things that we can do is model this for the next generation and our children. But then also we got to have conversations with teachers and administrators because by and large, I mean, everyone will agree physical activity is absolutely important. And has all these benefits, but now they're pulling it from so many schools. So as parents, we have to use our voice to contact the teachers, maybe be a part of a PTA thing, uh, speak to administrators, use your voice to get this because I promise you, the more active your child is or the more opportunities he or she has to use his or her body and move and sweat, 
I'd be willing to bet anything that child that you get when he or she comes home is going to be a happier kid, is going to be a more stable kid, is going to be a more pleasurable kid to be around as opposed to being this powder keg that has all this pent up energy inside and then gets diagnosed with things and gets put on uh, pills, Adderall or Ritalin or all this stuff. And we got to give them these expressions and play and movement is one of the best things. So we have to involve these conversations with the schools and we need to get physical education back in, back into schools. You know, other things that we can consider as well is, you know, I love this saying that uh, when it comes to creativity, I'm doing my best to keep this in mind as I, as I chaperone a parent, Luca. And it's that, you know, parents don't need to cultivate creativity in their children. They just got to get out of the way. Our children are inherently creative. Our children are inherently curious and explorers and movers. We just need to give them the space, the permission, and the container to do so. We need to create those safe boundaries and give them that time and space and that opportunity to dive into that stuff and then just let them watch the imagination come through. And so much of one of the things that um, hurts my heart the most is when I see a kid's imagination get just stomped. And it's one heartbreaking to see that in a child. And then when I see these men today and women today that I work with, and I see just not no imagination, but a a, a fear around imagining and visioning and being creative and, and wanting more for themselves or thinking that they can. I mean, we've all got an inner critic. We all got a dark wolf that's our, that shit talks ourselves that tells us we can't do it or we're not good enough or we're inadequate. Whatever the words are, we've all got that. But as the old Cherokee proverb goes, you got a dark wolf and a light wolf, one on each shoulder. And which one survives is the one you feed the most and or the one that you feed. And so... It's not to kill the dark wolf. That's a part of us. But by knowing it and being aware of it, and hopefully over time, we can begin befriending it. And so we have to believe that this is possible in us. And we need to allow kids the time, energy, space, and permission to be kids, especially when they're young. You know, a few other things just to anchor back in is that discipline piece. My opinion, children need discipline. They're craving for it. And so many of the issues of why and how we see kids acting out is because they're they're asking for that. They're testing to see what can they get away. They're, they're learning to navigate the world and we need to provide them the discipline to do so in a way so that as they, you know, like explore themselves, but as they grow up, they've got a solid foundation to build from. And sometimes the simplest thing you can do, and I love the saying of what's the first thing you do in the morning is do your bed, right? Because that's going to create a sense of accomplishment. That's going to set a cascade of benefits for the rest of your day. It's going to build some self-esteem. It's going to teach you how to have a goal to be consistent with something. And if your kid's too young to make his, his or her bed, make it with them. Let them see you do it. Why don't you help me, mama? Or why don't you help me, little little man, little girl? And just bring them in the process. And that's all they want. They just want to do life with you. And so, you know, I hope today's podcast opens some some discussion, some dialogue around the importance of physical health, physical fitness in everybody today, especially, especially in our youth. 
And this documentary is chocked full of, once again, interviews from key experts, statistics, uh, before and after interviews of these children, the historical references. So watch it, share it. Let's have a talk about it. Um, I really do believe that this is one documentary and taking it to heart can absolutely change the state of our country and even of the world. But especially in America, when by and large, we are the sickest we've ever been. And when you look at physical inactivity and living a sedentary lifestyle and all this stuff, when you look at the detriments of that, it's just astounding. So I wish you all the best. I hope you enjoyed enjoyed today's podcast. I got pretty fired up. This documentary, again, I just rewatched it. So it's right on the front of my heart and my mind. And uh, I wish you all the best. Much love, everyone. Definitely go check out The Motivation Factor. Let me know what you think after you check it out. Peace. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow the podcast on Apple and leave a review. It means a lot. We all have a path. And I'd love to hear how this podcast has inspired you in some way to live yours.